1: on Local Now, Channel 525.
0: Coming up this hour, I want to talk about Tim Tebow getting cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do we praise him for trying or mock him for failing? And then we're joined by Sarah Zylstra, senior writer and faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us as we close out a week. Aubrey, it is Friday. Uh, I think people who've been around the show know one thing and one thing about us. We love Fridays, right? <laughs>
1: they should know by now we love Fridays
0: one of the reasons we love Fridays is because on the show it means top five, top list. five that,
1: is, that's that right. is
0: coming later on in the episode yep. in the show uh, uh, little 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 uh, Foreshadowing a top five list like we've never done before. It's a very different. This is type a very different
1: list. one. I'm curious to see what people will say.
0: Yes, and we're also excited to be joined by Sarah Zylstra, friend of the show. She's senior writer and faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition. Always enjoy spending time with Sarah. All right, Aubrey, you've heard of a guy. His name is Tim Tebow. You never heard familiar
1: of him. with Tim Tebow. Never heard of him. I don't know who that is.
0: Tim Tebow, who uh, years ago, years ago, two and a half years ago, when we started this show. I proclaimed as the kind of from Moby Dick, the white whale for the show. We're going to get Tim Tebow someday. <laughs> oh, one someday. day, one day. Tim Tebow, uh, he made a name for himself as the starting quarterback for the University of Florida many years ago. He won the Heisman Trophy, but Tim Tebow is also known for just uh and being an outspoken Christian. Yeah, just it, his
1: faith in his
0: athleticism. That's right. Yes, it's it's gotten him a lot of ridicule, a lot of praise. He's a bit of a lightning rod, uh, is Tim Tebow. He has spent most of the last couple of years, he's been out of football for years, and he's spent most of the last couple of years uh as a commentator, as a speaker, as an analyst. He's gotten married recently. He does Love him or hate him. You can't um, deny that Tim Tebow does a lot of really good things with his uh, uh, with his notoriety platform. Yeah, he does. He really does. He does a prom for special needs kids across the country. That is an unbelievable thing when you read about it. So that's Tim Tebow. I know you're out there. You're going, why are we talking about Tim Tebow? Well, because I like to talk about Tim Tebow. One, <laughs> but two, something that Tim Tebow has proven in his life over the last couple of years is a willingness to try things where he's likely to fail. He tried to become a baseball player. He was in the minor league system for my favorite team, the New York Mets, got all the way up to double A baseball, but, uh, then that failed. And then I did this not year, know that that is he so interesting. On with the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL as a tight end and people were mocking his former college coach is the new coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars urban Meyer and Aubrey people were just mocking him. What is he doing? He's taking up somebody else's spot. He doesn't deserve this. No way is this going to work. But he just kind of put his nose to the grindstone, kept practicing, kept working. Well, this past week he got released. He got cut because it just wasn't working out. He's 34 years old. He's not a tight end. Uh, And, and as you can imagine, a lot of people just started piling on. See? Failure, embarrassment, Aww, all this so stuff. Uh, I doubt Tim Tebow even hears it anymore. He doesn't right? care. He there, but, <laughs> but here's what it brought up for me is this. Should we be praising Tim Tebow for trying hmm. of doing something that wasn't his natural thing, a baseball or being a tight end because he wanted to try to make it back in the NFL or should we, I don't know, the word I, I thought of is ridicule or mocking. That's That's mean, but should we be just calling him a failure? And, oh, see, uh, he failed again and wasn't able to do it. Uh, I I thought this was an interesting story because I'm wondering what you're like personality-wise, Aubrey. Do you run away from things that can embarrass you? Or do you go, you know what? New challenge. If I fail, I fail. I'll move on to the next challenge. How do you go in these types of situations?
1: Oh, this is like one of those really tricky questions of life, isn't it? What? Okay, let me answer the first question. I don't think we should ridicule Tim Tebow. I actually think... It's pretty cool. Like, why not try something? And then it gets cut. Like, I, there's, I don't know. There's something about the humility of that that I sort of admire. Um, for me, though, I don't like to put myself at that much risk. I like to do things I know I will do well and will succeed at. Now, I like trying new things so that I grow. Yeah. And So that I'm challenged and um, like even with this radio show, I mean, I started this having no idea what I'm doing. And I'm sure the, the listeners are watching me grow as I go. And that can feel uncomfortable, but it's also really valuable and meaningful and life-giving yeah. and exciting. Yeah. But generally speaking, if I knew I was going to fail, I tend to run away from things that will make me feel ashamed. Right or wrong, I do.
0: What about you? Well, most people knew that Tim Tebow, it was a long shot that he would make the team. So okay. he was really putting himself out there. Uh, interestingly, right? I started a radio show. I started a church. You would think I'm one of these people who's like, whatever, let's go for the next one. <laughs> right, show. right. I am actually the opposite of that. Okay. I tend to overthink things, yeah. mull things over. What are people going to think? What if it doesn't go well? Instead of being someone going, if it doesn't go well. We move on to the next thing. But, uh, and so I tend not to be that pe- those people, but Aubrey, also let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. And that's the people who do feel, um, who, who, who would mock somebody for failing uh-huh. and trying something. It makes me think of the Olympics and it was a really interesting conversation I heard about the Olympics the other day while the Olympics were still going on about the way we talk about silver medals. Uh, did the person lose and fail to get the gold medal or did they win the silver medal? And it's this whole perspective shift. Uh, And Aubrey, uh, you know, we had some people on earlier this week to talk about the need for people to encourage us. Uh, What role does it play in your life when you do fail? Okay. When you do the cut or whatever else it might be, what role do, do encouragement, encouraging people play in your life? Maybe when you doubt yourself,
1: Oh okay wow these are really these are really good questions. Um okay when i fail which i do often by the way i think the role of encouraging people is really what gives you the strength to keep going right mm-hmm. to remember that failure actually there's a lot of lessons in it that if we're mindful we can fail forward Um, I feel like we've had Dallas Jenkins on the show before. He's a great example of that, how he worked on that movie that failed horrifically. But because of that, The Chosen was born. That's right. And so I think because of the people in his life that encouraged him to keep trying and keep going, that gave him what he needed. And look at what God has done. And so I think in the same way, the people in our lives, the people who love us and encourage us to keep going, to not see failure as our identity and to not see it as a thing that has to stop us, but actually a thing that can motivate us forward. I mean, that's, that's a game changer right there that's to right. have those people in your life. That makes all the difference.
0: That's right. And then I think I would close it out this way to say, uh, thankfully the Bible is full of failure the Bible <laughs> That's is right. Full yeah, over and over again uh, of people, men and women uh, who failed in some horrifically, um, public and powerful and painful ways yeah. that you would expect the God of the universe to go, nope, moving on to the next person. Mm. And God never does that, right? The apostle Peter, upon which the upon whom the church is built, he That's denied right. Jesus three times. That's right. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there moment after <laughs> moment, Peter walks on water, but then Peter doubts and he sinks. You know, I'm preaching through David right now. Uh, hello, David and Bathsheba. I right? mean, like hello. this story. That, and we see that over and over again. And I think that's where I want to end this is, uh, God doesn't look at our lives and go, Oh, you failed once. Done with you now. There's consequences to our failures. There's there's these things, but and so therefore, if God doesn't give us a give up on us when we fail, we can keep going. But we also need to be encouragers in other people's lives, as opposed to people who go, yeah, God might not give up on you, but I think you're worthless. I think you're a failure. (laughs) Right?
2: That's we need to
0: do that. So I thought this would be interesting to see through the lens of this public story of Tim Tebow not making it with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I think to be applauded for giving it a try. Well, we're off and running here on a Friday afternoon. Coming up next, Sarah Zylstra, senior writer, faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition, co-author of a book called Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. Sarah is going to join us next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on Aim 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by somebody who's become a good friend of the show, been on multiple times now. She's a senior writer and faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition. Also the co-author of a book called Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. That is Sarah Zylstra. Sarah, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. It's so good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. And I know you've been on a bunch of times, but uh, in case people uh, have never heard you before, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit better?
2: Yeah, my name is Sarah Zylstra. I am an Iowa girl who grew up in the cornfields and uh, came to the Chicago area to go to graduate school at Northwestern. Um, And my husband and I settled down in the Chicago area where I... Um, now write for the Gospel Coalition. And in the past, I did some writing for the Southtown Star, and I uh, wrote for Christianity Today. So, uh, And I taught at Trinity Christian College in Palis Heights for a while, so I've got lots of Chicago roots. Mm. Lots of Chicago roots. We
1: were just saying off air that we're sometimes wondering, why do we live in Chicago after we go to places like I was just at the ocean in Florida. (laughs) We love it. We love Chicago. We're glad you're here,
2: Sarah. You make it a better place. Well, I love it too, even though, of course, we always ask that question as well. Why do we live here, especially in the winter? Especially in the
1: winter. That's right. Well, you wrote an article in early August called How to Be a Christian in the Mainstream News Media. And what I love about this article is I feel like this is not just about, you know, mainstream media reporters. This is about all of us. Like, how do we be Christians right now? in the world we're living in. And so I'm going to kind of ask you an open-ended question. Just tell us about the article and some of the things you learned.
2: Yeah. Um, This was such an interesting guy. His name is Randall Palmer. Um, He actually went to school where I did at Dort University in Iowa um, a long time ago, and then had sort of a really long career working for Reuters um, and worked his way up Um, in that news agency there. So he, you know, one of the most interesting things is while we were talking and he said, you know, I, his, he, he's such a perky optimistic guy, but he's like, I just got so depressed Mm -hmm. Um, because imagine how you feel, um, Brian and Aubrey, when you're reading the news or listening to the news every day. But then if you're the one producing that news and you're constantly looking for, um And one thing he said that was interesting, he's like, "You know when things are going well, that's not a news story. so you're constantly mm. looking over and over for the things that are wrong and then of course, sharing the things that are wrong for all of us to then listen and read the things that are wrong yeah. so he got he got depressed um, he was um, diagnosed with it. he's like, I can remember sitting in a church service um, at my church and I was criticizing everything like wow. the grammar, the music, like everything and then he was th- sort of realizing what in the world has happened to me like this is a completely unhealthy way to live. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a wake up call for him of the dangers of um, over imbibing in the news. And that is a lesson we can all learn. Yeah, yes. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, let's jump off there. So for people out there who are immersed in social media, they're immersed, you know, they're watching cable news all the time. And like you said, uh, like you just touched on they they're constantly taking in different news sources. What's the danger there? And what might be a, uh, a word of advice to people where that's their normal rhythm?
2: I know. I, I think there's a huge danger that has grown over the years because it used to be you just get like your local paper. So you could read the bad news about what was happening around you, but you also knew those people and you could pray for them or bring a meal or um, you knew the good news too. And it was kind of a balance. Like it was enough to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but more and more we're getting, the more news we get, and maybe, you know, if you've been reading about Afghanistan or we all the news that piles on us. Now we know everybody's bad news yeah, from yeah. every corner of the world. Um, and of course, it's bad because that's the news. That's what makes it yeah. news. Um, so I think that just overloads us. And I just cannot emphasize enough the need to turn that off. In mm. um, you know, Eve, that was what one of his counselors said as well. Like, you have to stop... With the news, like stop. Um, So you just have to turn it off after a while. You have to recognize your own limits and then put up some disciplines around that Mm. so that you're not imbibing that all the time. We're not supposed to be, we're not built for that. Yeah. 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 I think that's an
1: interesting, that's an interesting word. And I wonder, Sarah, I, I don't know that you necessarily wrote about this, but what do you think some of those markers are? So I'm just thinking of our listeners who are mm-hmm. like imbibing the news, they're starting to feel overwhelmed, they're starting to get anxious or angry or, you know, posting things emotionally. Um, What are maybe some like, uh, signs, I guess, checks in our own heart when we can go. Ooh, now's the time
2: to put my phone down and turn off the TV and step away. Mm. I love that question, and I hope, like in a year from now, I'll be able to answer that better because I'm <laughs> actually working on a book about social media. Oh wow! Um, which will come out next summer. With yes, I'm editing it with some other really great authors. Um, so we're we're taking a look at that. But I think um, one thing for sure is the emo, like you said, the emotions of it. Um, when you're cr- critical all the time, when you're feeling down, mm-hmm. check how you feel when you get off of social media. Do you feel anxious and depressed? I bet you do. Cause I do. Yeah. Um, so those are things that, um, that you don't have to feel like that. That's not, you don't have to be trapped inside of that. Um, so yeah. I think that's definitely one, I think overly critical too. like he was sitting in church, yeah. criticizing if you're sitting at your work, criticizing unnecessarily or at your house, criticizing unnecessarily. That's probably a sign as well.
0: Yeah. And and I think I know we have to cover a lot of it on this show. But Sarah, I think about all of the bad news we've been hearing about the church lately, like in the last year or two. Um, and how do we strike a balance? You're a reporter. How do you strike a balance between people need to know what's going on, the good and the bad, versus we don't want everybody to be. um you you know, really cynical about the church that we want to love the church and the church is important. How do you uh, strike that balance at the gospel coalition?
2: Yeah. So when I report stories for the gospel coalition, I, I am only reporting stories of where God is at work in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So my stories are almost, um, I w- don't want to say too far the other way, but definitely <laughs> lean the other way. Um, mm-hmm. We're not going to do, you know, an expose of somebody, even though um, absolutely those things need to be done. Mm. Yeah. So we're just trying to also supply the other end of of this, which is, um, hey, these are stories where God is at work, where people are doing amazing things. Um, where, uh, you know, lives are being changed and the homeless are housed and people are fed. And there are amazing stories of what God is doing in the church as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We're just not built to click on those. (laughs) Yeah, I, I
1: do think that's a really just hearing you talk, that feels like an important call for all of us, especially for Christians. Like, let's be mindful about what we are clicking on. And see if we can find some of those stories like that you're putting out into the world that other uh, journalists are putting out into the world where like God is showing up here Mm because we need that stuff just as much. Um, I want to take it back quickly, Sarah, to the journalists themselves. One of the things that you talk about in this article that we've referenced is that, um, you know, on some level, it's become difficult to trust the media And I wonder what journalists can begin to do to gain back the Mm -hmm. trust that they've lost.
2: Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we talk about this a lot, and I think it is true. Um, Journalists themselves operate, and I I don't think journalists are malicious by any sense, um, but they do operate in a little bit of a bubble. Um, 39% of Americans go to church. That's about, you know, four out of 10 people go to church regularly, but only 8% of journalists said they did. Mm -hmm. And that was back in 2007. So I have to believe... Um, that's dropped on both for both of those right by now. Right, right, right. Um, but still, that's a huge gap between 40% and 8%. So there is a gap there. Um, so journalists are operating in somewhat of a bubble. And when the people around you all think in a certain way, you think that way too. Uh, and then it feels very normal to you. So that... That's part of the problem. Of course, there's the Trump effect um, of polarization as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether you liked him or hated him, you probably didn't feel neutrally about him. (laughs) Um, And so that pushed you one side or the other. And another problem the news media has is they're just um, they don't have a lot of money. Um, They Mm -hmm. didn't make the transition to the Internet well. And, you know, you can read this all the time about, you know, there's just fewer newspapers and reporters are being laid off all the time. Um, There's less chance for them to get into the field. They do more and more of their work from the phone and from the Internet and from Twitter um, than they did before. And so that also... All of those things are more insulating. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that was so interesting that Mr. Palmer said when he was first getting into it, the advice was to be balanced and to say both sides of the story, which I thought was so basic. That's like the first thing you learn <laughs> when you're trying wow. to be a journalist. Like, wow, wow, that was the advice. That's like so obvious. And yet, um, it, you know, we see less and less of that. And that is one thing that for sure, when you don't see your, your opinion respected and represented, um, you quickly yeah. lose interest in that as a trusted news
0: yeah, source. So true. Yeah. We're excited to be joined by Sarah Zylstra, senior writer and faith and work editor for the gospel coalition. You were telling us something interesting off air about some people from the media who reached journalists who reached out to you about the article. Why don't you share that feedback you got?
2: Yeah, this was so fascinating. So after we put this article up, I heard from several people who are Christians operating in the mainstream media, um, grateful to see the article because they feel pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, one gentleman was so interesting. He's a, a TV news anchor and he said, you know, I, I've really been feeling strongly that I wish Christians would be more supportive of the media. Mm-hmm. Um and I can understand how when you don't see when you less and less see your your perspective there, you would turn that off more and more. However, he said, one thing, we live in a culture where news is more and more squishy. It's my truth, your truth. Is it really true? Who knows? It, you know, It's just very um, squishy. But we know there is real truth, real objective, God-given truth. Some things are just real and true. And he right, said, when right. you support journalism, even mainstream news, those journalists are trying to... Um, by the grace of God report an objective news Mm -hmm. as best that they can. This thing happened. This plane landed here. This man said these things. uh, This is the statistics for this. Like they're, they're looking for a true thing to say. Mm -hmm. And as journalists who know that all truth is God's truth, um, you know, we're just looking to support them in an attempt to tell an objective, real truth. Mm. That That is only a good thing for Christianity.
1: Yeah, that is so, I mean, I think that is a really interesting point. And I wonder, you know... There are so many voices I'm hearing in my head right now that would say, "But uh, you know, but no journalist can be totally mm. objective all the time." And and how do we know who's actually speaking truth and who's not? What do you think are ways that Christians can sort of get beyond that and actually support Christian
2: journalists? Yes, um, I think that is definitely true. I think the idea. Um, the ability to read a little bit more broadly, maybe pop over to the New York Times once in a while mm-hmm. and maybe get even a little subscription to something else or or watch something else once in a while. Mm-hmm. I definitely think, you know, my editor Colin Hansen had an opinion piece in the New York Times about coming back to church after live streaming a couple of weeks ago. So I think offering opinions um, or maybe just writing in to say, hey, I liked that, mm-hmm. um, you know, Journalists need to hear back from people as well. Um, So I think speaking back to those people, um, encouragement or even correction goes a a really long way. And then of course, praying for them Mm. um, and praying for the news and, um, maybe it's just in our own attitude in the way that we talk about them um, in a supportive way and a, and a respectful way. Like, Hey, we know you get it wrong. We all get it wrong for sure. There's never been a perfect news story. That's for sure. Um, But at least we see what you're trying to do and we respect that.
0: That's great. You also, uh, Sarah, as we said earlier, you gave a talk, a TGC gospel coalition talk, a message called two ways to find peace in an anxious world. Uh, I, it's such an important article. It's our message about anxiety mm-hmm. and peace right now in this world. Uh, let's start with the bad news. Why would you say why would you classify this world as anxious? Why would we say that anxiety is going up right now?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that just goes right into what we've been talking about. We are inundated with bad news. Mm. Yep. Um, and it's just, I think you could say objectively true that our culture is less and less culturally Christian. I don't think there is numerically fewer committed Christians, but I think that big, um, oh, the, all the cultural Christianity or like, oh, the Christmas and Easter Christians or the people who sort of believed in God You know, because they wanted to go to heaven. Um, I think that is changing. Yeah. Um, And so that causes our whole culture then to turn. So it's definitely true that there are reasons, real valid reasons, why Christians could feel anxious and shoved to the side and marginalized. Um, but the truth is, of course, the church has always been shoved to the side mm-hmm. and marginalized yeah that's um, right. through, she was born that way and in Rome, and the whole way through that sort of she operates best, um you know loving her enemies and serving mm-hmm. the weak and caring for the poor and mm-hmm. um gathering the orphan like that's that 's just what Jesus taught us to do <clears throat> so that 's not new for us, and so the Um, I guess the answer then to that anxiety, how the two reasons I gave were one to think really big um, and not big like, hey, international news, but big like, hey, God's plan of creation and Mm. the fall and and redemption. And wow, we can see that Jesus died on the cross Mm -hmm. and we can see that we're actually living the tail end of this story. Um, We already know the climax. We already know the turning point. We Mm -hmm. know exactly what's in front of us. There really isn't you know, that much to be super anxious about if we Mm. trust in a God who's writing the story. Um, So one to that, to remember where we are and to trust in God's hand and then to think small. So maybe reading your local news, maybe limiting your social media feeds to literally the people that you know and care about (laughs) instead of those thousands of friends you've gathered over the years, right? Yeah, Pulling their circle way in and then having your neighbor over for dinner or going for a walk, walk your dog with them or volunteering at your whatever your town is doing, um, -hmm. being at your church a lot and seeing what you can do there. Just those small, when we're active, we're so much less anxious because you're doing something. So true. Um, and so I think that if you can pull your, your circle way in and, and focus there, um, I think that that's a healthy way to, Mm -hmm. to come at it
1: and um sarah let me just ask you i hope this is okay to ask you personally sure. but um when you're talking about let me go back to thinking big because i like both of these thinking big and thinking small thinking big you talked about just remembering like the story that god is writing a- across the cosmos right now like sometimes we can lose perspective on that are there ways in your own life that you kind of step back and remind yourself to think big
2: Ooh, that's a good question well it's easier for me because i work at a um, and, and international, like TGC is international. And so to, to look, pull ourselves up big is a little bit easier. Although, of course, we can still get stuck in, in all of that stuff. I think it's um, time in the Word, mm. um, you know, making sure you get your time with God, making sure you're at church, um, pu- you know, really getting, studying the Bible, really getting into that. Um, it's not boring if you're really digging into it and loving it and mm-hmm. learning about it. There's always something new. Um, yeah, so I I think the more that you love and dig into and sign up for classes for and read books on and listen mm-hmm. to programs on um, the word of God, the more you'll love it. And the more you'll um, know about the story that you're living in.
0: Yeah, Sarah, Sarah, as we close out, um, kind of along those same lines, let's talk specifically our kids are all going back to school, right? In the next couple, mm-hmm. some have some in the next couple of weeks. Uh, what would you say to that mom or dad out there right now who just feels really anxious about their kid, school, COVID, the world we live in, everything else? What's a very kind of tangible word of of encouragement you'd give to that parent?
2: Oh, first of all, I hear you. <laughs> um, nothing makes <laughs> us more anxious than our kids, does oh, it? Like, so oh, true. Um, I want to wrap you in bubble wrap and l- like have you only experienced love and joy your whole life. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Um. Here's what I think. Um, the same God who's writing a giant story is writing the story of your morning and of your mm. kid's afternoon and of that history class that they're in. There is not a moment of that child's day that God is not orchestrating and working for good and mm. loving and breathing into. Like they can't go to the bathroom without him being there or get a drink from the drinking fountain or have a single conversation with a single classmate without him being there. Mm. So I think the more that we look for the ways that and celebrate, um, sometimes people keep thankful journals, you know, where you just mm-hmm. list all the good things or do, you can just open your eyes to like, oh, God provided today a friend to sit with my kid at lunch or mm-hmm. God provided today, um, my kid didn't know the way to the bathroom and someone showed them or God provided today a teacher. Um, who explains something or, you know, a piece of technology that worked correctly or the book, you know, that arrived in time, whatever it is, like those small things are all God's provision Mm -hmm. for your child Mm -hmm. all day long, minute Mm -hmm. after minute, he's providing for your child. And so I think like the more that you can open up your hand to God in their life and just pray like crazy, Um, the more relaxed you can be.
0: Again, Sarah Zylstra, senior writer and faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition, co-author of a book called Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Zylstra, at Sarah E. Zylstra, and also find her articles at thegospelcoalition.org. Sarah, it's always fun. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, joined as always by Aubrey Sampson. Glad to be together. And if you've been with us at all over the last couple months, you know that Friday is a day of celebrating, a day to look towards the weekend, a day that we love, and a day for top five lists. Top five lists! Top five lists. And so uh it's I uh, it's weirdly one of my favorite parts of the day. Or no, mine too.
1: I love this part of the show. It, Every week I love our top five it lists. Is.
0: So let me give a little background, a little bit of explanation, because this is gonna be one like one we haven't done before. Uh okay. usually it's foods or movies or whatever else it might be. Uh, but this time, uh, I thought we could do this one. Aubrey, what are the top five household chores that you hmm. most like to do? Now, let me caveat okay. that. I'm talking like yes. weekly or monthly chores. Not like I love to paint when you paint the room you know, once every yes. three years yes. or yes, something. Yes, I see.
1: So, So some of the regular, the quotidian things that we do consistently.
0: What was that word you used?
1: Quotidian.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: Uh, like the daily, they're regular, they're repeating, okay,
0: okay. I'm good with that now, yeah, okay. so okay. whatever the words you used, that is what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, I also want to put a caveat here in case my wife is listening. I'm not saying the ones I do the most often. <laughs> uh, that's,
1: that, that is an important caveat. I feel like there, yep. there
0: might be some in here where she's going, Excuse me?
1: She's going to be like, uh-uh, Brian, Uh, uh, Brian, wait a second. What?
0: <laughs> what? So this could be inside, this could be outside, but it is, okay. it is, uh, things within kind of the home. That okay, you do I, right I already business.
1: know one of yours. I know one of yours already. You probably know I'm my anxious. number
0: one is my guess, but.
1: I'm curious if it's your number one, so we'll see. Alrighty,
0: but before that, we all know our producer has created just a wonderful jingle to get us going here for our top five list. Let's listen to that.
2: Top five, top five, top
1: five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey.
0: Top five regular household chores that we enjoy doing. Aubrey, you will go first.
1: I will go first. Ah, uh, Okay, this was very difficult for me because I don't like a lot of chores. I'm going to be honest with That's you. That's the point
0: of but, this. Like These are okay. not normally things. We could definitely yes. do a top five ones of the ones we hate.
1: Yes, this is, here's what I'll say as a caveat to most of mine. I like the end result, <laughs> not the actual work. So number five for me, I'm going to say organizing, organizing drawers, cabinets, bookshelves, the refrigerator that I don't do it often, but every once in a while I get a, a like a burst of energy to organize and it feels so good when it's that done. That is
0: true. Back over the winter time, at some point, I forget exactly when I did this. All of a sudden, I was like the only one home, and I just got this burst of energy to clean out the fridge, and that was probably an unwise thing to do before discussing <laughs> it with Carrie because I just made executive Oops. decisions as to what could oh be no out and what couldn't. Uh, all right, number five for me, I enjoy doing the dishes. Oh, do you? I enjoy okay, loading right. the dishwasher. I enjoy scrubbing. This is probably the number one on the list where if my wife were listening, she would go, seriously?
1: <laughs> <laughs> seriously, like, why don't you do it more why often? Why do
0: I always have to ask you then to do it? Like, that kind ah, of Ah, right? I see. Yeah. Okay. Actually okay. doing them. I like seeing, like, the pile of dishes get eliminated. Yeah, there is
1: something satisfying about that. Oftentimes, that's Oftentimes,
0: so I'll listen to a podcast while doing it. Like, it's a good mm-hmm. time. So that's my number five. Your number four. Okay.
1: Okay, my number four, this is going to sound a little silly, but I love tidying up my living room. I love having, like, my pillows in their proper place, my blankets folded lovingly, my, my dining room is kind of decorated, like, with a, you know, a little tablecloth like i just like it i like walking in my house and walking into a lovely peaceful living there
0: room. you go do you know what i realize the other day about our top five list is usually you and i don't even have one that crosses that over. is
1: actually true is that strange it's, we often don't it's not
0: even that we like you would think you do these enough and it would be like oh we have the same number one we yeah. can't do that no not even that's crazy that's crazy all right what am i on number four number four yep. for me vacuuming Oh, really? Again, okay. caveat, don't do it enough.
1: <laughs> do not yep. do it
0: enough. But to see like how when the vacuum like makes the lines, you know, and it just, yes, uh, I, I love that. I do. I enjoy that. So vacuuming.
1: Okay. Uh, what number are we on? Four, three, three, three two, three, one. Three. No, three. Okay. All right. Yikes. My last three. This is hard for me to put in order. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I actually don't like this one at all. But Time I out. like that I can.
0: <laughs> I think you're missing the point of top five chores well, I love to do. Let
1: me finish. Let me finish. I like that I do it the way I do it because I wait until like my kids are downstairs. Kevin's usually out. I turn on a show I like. Maybe pour myself a small glass I guess of something what it is? Bu- bubbly. Yeah,
0: uh folding laundry.
1: Folding laundry. That's it. Yeah, like
0: You said I put a show on. That's exactly how Carrie does it yep. as well. <laughs> so I I
1: like the environment around folding laundry.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I've often. I, did, I
1: really enjoy that. I enjoy that.
0: Yeah. Carrie will do the same thing. It's like she knows she's got all this laundry to fold and she'll get in front of the TV, get a show on. So yes, that's that yeah. got me. All right. Just
1: like make it an event. Okay.
0: Number three for me. Uh, I really enjoy weeding. I love spending time outside oh, really? and, and pulling weeds. I do. I love weeding.
1: Oh, you got to come to my house. I hate weeding so much. Yeah. Like despise it. Yeah.
0: I, I love what like, I do sp- like a nice line. Yeah. And not even the lawn, but like, you know, kind of on the side of the house or something. You're like, oh, it's overgrown. all of a sudden you start pulling the weeds and then it looks nice. And I know there's things I could be doing for it that would make it better. But just pulling weeds. I enjoy. I enjoy that. Wow.
1: Feeling. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're different, right? <laughs> I'll pay. I'll pay you. I will pay you money you to come to my house. I don't think you would and pull weeds in my house? No, I probably wouldn't. I'll make my kids. Okay, I was going to say, right. don't you pay your my- own children to weed. Yes, I will definitely do that. Okay. All right, my number two, and this is a new one for me. Okay. I was not interested in this until I recently got a new bedspread and brand new decorative pillows, <laughs> and I love making the bed.
0: Oh. Okay. Clean
1: sheets. I love walking. I love put placing the pillows on perfectly. I love coming home and like the bed's all nice. And- I love b- making the bed. That is new for me in COVID. Though. It probably's
0: tied into the new product line from My Pillow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do like those sheets. Yes. I do yes. like those sheets.
0: Okay. I someday we'll have to have a discussion about just the ridiculousness of throw pillows and decorative pillows. And- no,
1: no, no. I am pro throw pillows and decorative pillows. It, it you and sense. Kevin can talk about that, but I am for them. I'll send you a picture, Brian. I'll, I might, maybe I'll post it on our social media. My my bed being made, the amount of pillows on there are absolutely out of control. And one of them is a tiger pillow.
0: Yeah, it feels like that probably needs to be a counseling thing between your husband and yourself. <laughs> All right, number two for me. And this one, I'm breaking my rule of something that you do weekly or monthly. This is okay. is much less often, but man, do I find it I, I whenever I do this, I think to myself, why don't I do that more? Like that was really fun. Uh, okay, cleaning windows,
1: really, like
0: spraying cleaning them, and then you just see windows. them all of a sudden, like all, okay. all like, the yeah. gunk. Go away. I could
1: see the satisfaction in that. I do. Yeah, kind of like cleaning the mirror. There's some I nice like about cleaning the, all
0: glass. pro Yes, surfaces. Yes, yes, yes. All right, we're at number one. I have no honorable mentions. <sighs>
1: Oh, I have zero. No, no, no. No honorable mention. Finding
0: five for this one was difficult enough. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So I'll be interested. I see this as a chore because of my role in the house, but I'll be interested if you see this as a chore. We'll see. I can already guess what you're so, gonna say. Oh, you can? Yes. All right. My my number one is grocery shopping.
0: Oh. OK, because
1: I love I mean, Target ultimately is the reason why that's my number one. I get to go to Target and I love having a full fridge. That's a way I care for my family. So okay. that's my That's
0: good. I thought I was along those lines. I thought you were going to say cooking dinner or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah, it's similar. But no, I like the actual like I want to walk through. Target. I think that's a chore. So,
0: I think it is. It's
1: really more about being at Target than it is about grocery shopping. But. I can. It counts.
0: When we do our top five uh, destination stores, I'll remember that. So uh, (laughs) number one. And when I thought of this earlier in the week, I had just done this and it is by far my number one. I love to the point that I won't let my children do it. I love mowing the lawn,
1: mowing the lawn. I knew you were going to say that. Brian. And what is it about mowing the lawn for you?
0: So I think it is a just seeing like the, a crisp lawn like that's nice. But okay. B, I think yeah. it's just I listen to a podcast again. It's alone time. You're sweating mm-hmm. a little bit like you don't. Mm-hmm. We're used to sitting inside and doing things. So, uh, yeah, mowing the lawn. That one does it for me. OK, uh, once again, you and I have not crossed over each other at all. Not even one that. of them.
1: We're such individuals. We are.
0: We are very different. We are very different. Well, we'd love to know what you think. You can find these up at our social medias Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Common Good Talk. We're excited. One more hour here in the week. Coming up next, we're going to ask how do you respond to people who you disagree with, even over serious subjects? We're going to have that conversation next year on The Common Good. Aim 1160. Hope for your life.
1: Coming up this hour, how do we respond to people who we disagree with, even if it's something as serious as COVID? And then we're joined by a special guest for a back-to-school game show. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. We hope you're having a great day. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And... Brian, I have another question for you. I like to ask you questions at the beginning of each show. Okay. We all, I mean, we don't have to like uh, hammer this nail into the wood again and again and again. We all know there are different people on all sides of the COVID, the mask, the vaccine conversation. That's just true. My question for you is, uh, how do you tend to respond to people that you disagree with, like vehemently about this issue?
0: Yep, that's a great question. I I think I will take that generally speaking, uh, because I think there are some caveats to this. But generally speaking, uh, I tend to not be a very combative person. I tend to try to go, okay, let me try to understand where you're coming from. Uh, Like there are some people who think if you could ever be against if you could ever not take the vaccine. That, that it is like a crime against humanity. It is this. It, I, yeah. I kind of go, I took the vaccine, but I understand why people don't. I understand yeah, yeah. why people are frustrated with mass. I tend to get more worked up about how p- other people respond. Uh, so that would probably cause me. So what, you know, last week while you were gone, we, we looked at that story where the, uh, uh, the people were just shouting down the doctors at the school board meeting in Tennessee. And you're just mm. like, so, mm. so for me, I get more upset about how people are responding to differences, maybe than the differences themselves. I've had many a conversation at church and other places with people who are like, I'm not getting the vaccine and they're pretty, uh, level headed about it. They tell yeah. me why. And I go, yeah. okay, I did, okay. I disagree. I got the vaccine, but I get where you're coming from. And, yeah. and I think, I think there's. We use the word all the time, right? There is a civility that we have lost where we can mm-hmm. respectfully disagree. I do understand there are people out there who say, nope, the vaccine is a life or death issue. It's perpetuating this uh, this pandemic. And therefore, there's yeah. no middle ground. I disagree with that. But I, you know, I think, again, that's an opportunity to have a conversation.
1: I am um, Kevin and I always say that it it the conflict itself doesn't matter as much as the way you have the conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we have to remember in the middle of this. It's interesting. I read a a friend of mine. I'm not going to say her name in case she doesn't want this publicly, but she did put it out there on Instagram uh, that she was um, about to attend a funeral for a 35 year old friend of hers, a mom of young kids who died of COVID. And she said, and she was really angry because she said she has fallen for the lies that certain you know people in the world have said don't get the vaccine mm-hmm. it's a government conspiracy blah, blah blah and now she's on her deathbed and so she was really really pointing fingers at certain political groups really really yeah. angry and i you know i get that in your grief and in your frustration you want to blame somebody and that you know, in some senses, I'm like, yeah, I totally get yeah. that. I think relationship to relationship, I'm like you, Brian. I tend to go, uh, you know, I got the vaccine, Kevin got the vaccine. We'll get all of our kids vaccinated, partly because I want to end this pandemic as soon as possible and get back to whatever new normal looks like. But I have very, very good friends who won't get it for a number of reasons, and I love them. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You know, We have to be generous with one another in the middle of this. Well, okay, here's why I brought this story up, because I thought this was really interesting. So there's a pastor, I think you talked about while I was gone. Yes. Um, Greg Pastor Greg Locke. he's from uh Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where I actually have lots of family members. We actually drove right through Mount Juliet Did you Tennessee, really? on our vacation last week. Yeah. Yes, so I know Mount, Ju- I know Mount Juliet well, love Mount Juliet, love the people there. But he um, is really kind of an anti masker, anti vaxxer. Some people call him a COVID denier. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who said of his church that it's an. How did he say it? It's an anti-mask church. It's a mask-free a church.
0: If you mask- wear a mask, stay church. in your car or take it off. Yeah. It's basically Yeah, so
1: Essentially, you're not welcome in his church right. if you decide to wear a mask, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible pastoral move. But we can talk about that another time. But um, what was interesting to me is he was actually invited to a college in Tennessee, and some students got together and basically said, Absolutely not. We don't want this guy here with his anti mask pronouncements and some of the other things that he's perpetuating. That's Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, was scheduled to host one of his big events. He hosts something called the Freedom Matters Tour. He's not the only speaker, there are other speakers there right. as well. But I think it's interesting to me that there seems to be, um, general, generationally, like a difference. Uh, between maybe an older generation and a younger generation and how they're responding Mm -hmm. to the vaccine or how they're responding to COVID, how they're responding to even things like critical race theory, what they want from their speakers, what they want from their leaders and their mentors enough so that they're like, uh, you know, gathering together saying, we don't even want this group to come on campus. I thought that was so fascinating. I'm not actually sure why I thought it was interesting, but It says to me that different generations are looking at this in different ways. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think
0: that's fair. I do think that Greg Locke is a different category right now all to himself because he is. uh, Let's see who I can make angry here. He is clearly a self promoter. Uh he uh, is clearly okay. so Ed Stetzer wrote an article about him last week. Anyone who shows him, I think Greg Locke is dangerous. And so I would gotcha. think, Okay, uh, I would speak more definitively about Greg Locke. Like if Greg Locke and I were talking, I don't think it would be like, hmm.
1: A friendship conversation. I see
0: what you're saying. I think he is seeing a my opinion. I think he sees a pathway towards self-promotion here Mm -hmm. and has been running through that door over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I know some people who who are more of that political bent who love this guy. I just think he is. You've probably seen clips of him preaching in which he's just yelling and and his sermons start being they sound like political rallies about the left and the this and mm-hmm. president trump and this and that and you and, and so i do understand the students at union probably go and listen yeah
1: uh, we don't we don't want this guy here yeah
0: i i would think it probably has less to do with the fact that he's like you know not going to get vaccinated or this. But but that kind of that he's a bit of a blowhard about it. Right. Like he just kind of I see. Like, OK, he's out there for attention. And this uh, this rally that he this Freedom Matters rally, which, again, is not just him. I believe Alan Keyes is there and some others. Uh, I think it has as much to do with him, uh, who he is and the persona he's carrying and kind of his brand As much as, like, if he were to be like, hey, respectfully, I think masks are harmful and the vaccine is to be avoided. I don't think they would stop him.
1: But it's the way it's kind of that he's being this, like, figurehead. Sort of lightning rod type of guy yeah. in a crazy way. It sounds yeah, like I so.
0: I don't. I'd encourage people. I don't to know much him about Twitter. him, but oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh really? Is he crazy? Oh. Don't follow. Don't follow
0: him. Oh, it's he's picking fights all the time. And so Greg Locke is. Go ahead and Google him. It's it's a little bit of a different deal, but I do think your point gotcha. is correct. I do think, as with a lot of things, politics, uh, COVID, all sorts of, there are generational lines uh, that are really interesting. That um. Uh, That we don't always kind of sometimes I think, oh, well, it's clearly going to be breaking down this way. And it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Um, But but it is interesting. I'm not surprised. Like if Greg Locke were up here, I would tell everybody I know, avoid it. Don't go.
1: Avoid it. Protest Uh, it. Stop it. Yeah. The man man is crazy. We'll probably talk
0: later in the week or or next week after he writes about this. Uh, Shane Claiborne. Uh, went to his church because Greg Lockett said, anybody who shows up in my church with a mask is going to be kicked out. So Shane Claiborne mm. showed up at his church with a mask. And <gasps> uh, oh, wow,
1: and we got to talk about that for sure. He's
0: writing about that. So we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. But yeah, it's as much about the self-promotion is my guess. But uh, I think it's it, for us as Christ followers to put a bow on this. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be really cognizant again, like you started this. Not do we disagree, but how do we disagree? And what difference does that make?
1: Yeah. And how are we using our voice in a way that actually actively loves people and is not just making a name for ourselves and not spreading spreading falsities either. I think that's important. All right. Well, Brian, coming up next, we're going to get a little bit deep. We're going to talk about when we feel like giving up in ministry. Why do we feel like that? And what do we do about it? Even if you're not in ministry, this one is for you. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hi everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. I'm Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we're so glad to have you with us. I know as Christians, um, not just Christians who are actively in ministry, but Christians who are just doing the good, faithful walk of following with Jesus, that there are times when we feel like giving up. And that may mean giving up leadership. That may mean giving up our faith all together and I know this is kind of a vulnerable thing Brian but have you ever been that sort of low that you felt like i'm i could walk away from faith or and or I could walk away from ministry
0: <laughs> did they, did that happen this week is that what you're asking <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, man. I think it is a uh I, I think it's it's a common problem among us pastors yeah. and i have not yeah. been immune to that when yeah. The, being a pastor can have a lot of high highs. It can also have a lot of really low lows. And it's, yeah, it can, um, you know, everything from uh, attendance numbers to, oh, that sermon laid flat or bigger ones, right? Like, Why did that? Why did those three families leave my church and only send me an Mm -hmm. email? I.e. That happened to me this week. Not three families. No, a a family. And I'm great. I'm I'm great. I almost said I'm great with people leaving my church. I understand people leaving my church, but just a little PSA for people out there. Don't do it by email if you've been around for a while. Uh, Uh, Please. But also, you know, so yes, all that to say. There are many times where, uh, where there's a discouragement in the ministry where you go, I don't know, maybe I'm done. Maybe I don't want to do yeah, this. And I would yeah. say there are legitimate times to ask that question. Right. Uh, Is
1: it time to be done?
0: I don't mm-hmm. think being a pastor when you start as a pastor means you're it for the next 50 years. It will for some yeah. of us. It won't for others. And so I do think you've got to work your way and really have people around you to help you process. Is this a legitimate question I'm asking right now? Or am I just frustrated by... Uh, these things that I thought would be not being right, like these failures or these yeah. th- these dreams not coming to fruition, or just the general struggle. How about you? Uh, you were probably on vacation. You were like, I'm done. I'm I'm done with this. I'm out. <laughs>
1: I'm never. I I don't want to move back to Illinois. I'm staying oh, in Florida. Man. Um, you know, we, we uh we learned this from a friend of ours who. So she's a pastor, but her dad was a pastor for like 50 years. She ended up taking over his church. She's been on the show, actually. Her name is Tara Goodman. Oh, yeah. She said she once asked her dad, like, how do you do it? And he said, oh, I quit every Sunday afternoon after church. I just quit. And then... Took Monday off and then I started again on That's Tuesday, right. and I did that for fifty years. And I, I mean, it's sort of a sad reality because you want to say, "No, every Sunday I come home so That's fulfilled." Right. And, That's right. And it was a, you know. But I think the reality is, it yeah, the enemy will get you on a Sunday and Sunday afternoon. You're just like, I'm. I think I'm done. I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I think you know we don't want to just talk to the pastors here, but I know as pastors, we tend to see everything that's going wrong Mm -hmm. and we don't always necessarily see everything amazing that God is doing. And it can be discouraging when our focus is on the wrong thing. And yeah, I, I, I don't know that there have been times in my life. Well, I would say one specific time when I didn't, I was tempted to walk away from my faith. And that was a year we've talked about 2015 when my cousin was killed. I was really sick. Our son was very sick. Like it all happened at once. That was a moment when I remember saying to God, I want to walk away, but I refuse to, Mm. I don't know where you are. I don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't know if you're here. I don't know if you're real, but I am not going to give up. Like, so it was more of an, a very active choice to have faith when I didn't, Feel like yeah, um, that's good. Where and that was sort of the first time I had come up against that yeah. before in my walk with the Lord. Have you had a moment like that?
0: You know, not really. I I can't think of a moment in my life where I've said I'm I'm questioning whether I actually want to follow Jesus or not. Like mm-hmm, you said, there yeah. are definitely moments where you're like, where are you? Uh, yeah. Why can, why why is this happening? Why am I not here for you? Why am I not hearing from you for sure? Um, but yeah, that story you told before as we as pastors, I remember somebody reading some, I remember reading something early on in my time as a pastor where the guy said, don't ever, if you're a pastor, don't ever quit on Monday. Don't ever make a decision on Monday. Because <laughs> it's so exactly, good. you're right. It's almost like there's this adrenaline drop. There's yeah. also just, like you said, you see the things that are are discouraged. like it's all of that. And uh so yeah, I thought that was a really good piece of advice. Don't quit on Monday, but
1: don't quit on my But there's a lot
0: of people out there who aren't pastors who still can, they, they need to hear this because you still struggle with the, is God there? Uh mm-hmm. Do I want to quit on any aspect of my life, whether it be my job yeah. or my faith, my marriage, whatever else it might be. And and really the question you're getting at here is how do you get up off the mat and keep going? How do you That's so kind of put yeah. one foot in front of the other and keep going? And regardless of your profession or your age or what are your, education level, whatever it is, I think this is something we all struggle with and will continue to struggle with.
1: Yeah, there's an article at churchleaders.com, and it's by Dr. James Scott Jr. called Pastor Get Up and Try Again. Mm -hmm. And essentially, what he talks about is how you can feel sucker punched a lot in ministry. And I think this is true in just life in general, like we will take punches, right? Right. Um, but the truth is, as Jesus described it, this author of the article reminds us from John sixteen thirty three: I have told you this, that you will have peace in me here on the earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes. Like that's what we have to remember. I think that, um, you know, this is life, mm that there are trials, there are sorrows, there are struggles, there are disappointments. I think there is not a life untouched by pain. And um, so the reality is if that's life, then um, the finding God in that is the beautiful thing, right? Like finding God in the middle of the failures, finding God in the middle of the heartache, finding God in the middle of the pain, that's the miracle. Mm. And I think that's, that keeps us going and that helps us finish well to know that God is with us in the d- deepest, darkest valleys uh, on those Sunday afternoons when we feel like, oh, man, church was terrible. I don't know if I can keep doing right. this, that God is there. And this uh, this article says, Jesus has succeeded in every way that we have failed. And with Christ in us, we discover a new capacity through him to get up and try again and again and again and again. Today, you may be feeling like the biggest bully on earth has landed a crushing sucker punch square in your face, but get up and try Mm, again. What do you think about that message? I think
0: it's a great word. So much of like, I think we, uh, I have two daughters of my three kids. So I grew up watching Disney princess movies. And I think (laughs) something about Disney princess movies is there's this thing that we start to believe about life, whether it be marriage, you know, with a princess movie or just life in general of the happily ever after. Well, if I just start a church, it's going to just be all roses and happily ever Mm -hmm. after. And then all of a sudden you start doing it. You're like, oh, or whatever else marriage, right. It's going to be happily ever after. And yeah, and that's just not true. And so the quicker we can accept that, the more that we can keep going. Uh, He even writes in here, uh, sitting there licking your wounds will only result in a bitter aftertaste. Get up, go on with it and try again. Like there's so much mm. to life about just putting one foot in the other and keep going. You might yeah. have great success, but if, right. if, if it's all determined by the, you know, all of your dreams being reached, then you're probably in for some pain and like uh, and, and some disillusionment. But I think if we really recognize life comes with pain
3: Mm -hmm. We can keep
0: getting up, surrounding ourselves with people to help us get up and keep putting one foot in front of the other.
1: And I think lastly just remembering too that that seasons of pain are really an invitation into Christ likeness I mean yeah. that's what the New Testament teaches us that it is th- it is through suffering it is through trials that we become more like Jesus and so that uh, that means our pain is not purposeless mm-hmm. now, I'm not one who tends to say God causes evil in our life but I do tend to believe that God uses seasons of hardship to shape us, make us draw us closer mm-hmm. to him and, because he's a good God yeah. and only a good God could do something like that and have power over hardship. So if you are feeling in doubt today, if you are hurting today, if you feel like giving up, keep going. You are not alone. God is with you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. our word for you today on this Friday afternoon. We'll stick around. Coming up next, we have a special guest joining us and uh, we're going to do one of my favorite things to do. That's a game show. We're going to do a back to school quiz show, Brian, and see how much you and our special guest know about school. This is going to be an interesting one. So stick around. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and alongside a special guest, a reoccurring guest, a friend or best friend of the show. That is Kevin Sampson, my husband.
3: Hey, babe! It's great to be here. Lo- I always
0: love putting a beat down on uh, show. <laughs>
3: <Yeah,
0: laughs> I like that we we bring him on to like guest co-host an entire show, or just crazy game show, or what just a, a crazy game show. And
1: right <laughs> now, he's going to be a crazy game show uh, contestant with you, Brian From. Uh-huh, we are uh-huh. doing one of my favorite segments, a back to school quiz show. <laughs> It's time for a back to school pop quiz. Here's your host, Professor Aubrey. So, as a reminder, you may not Google. Mm-mm. Um, Brian thinks he was the winner. Nope. But the last <laughs> question of the last quiz, uh, there was a bonus question which dominated all of it and Kevin actually won.
3: Yeah, so I'm the I'm the winner. So we'll,
1: okay. Matters. This will be- <laughs> keep feel,
0: keep telling yourself that. We'll keep going with that. All right. So, this
1: quiz show today has 8 questions. It is a back to school theme since uh, all of us kids, all of us have kids who are sadly back to school and summer's over. All right. Are you ready? Uh, that
3: was the worst going right. back to
1: school. I know, going back to school. All right. Number 1. Here we go. The oldest public school in the United States of America, known as Boston's Latin School, was founded in A, 1635, B, 1776, C, 1806, or D, 1820? Kevin, what's your answer? C,
3: 1806.
1: Okay, Brian, what is your answer?
0: I think it's a trick question. I'm going to go all the way back to before. Uh, I'm going to go with A. A. (gasps)
1: <gasps> Brian you are correct It is yes. A The f- oldest public school In the United States Was founded in 1635
3: The United States Didn't even exist then. That's, <laughs> That's why That was question. the trick That, that was the yeah. trick Yeah that was the <laughs> trick We need some training wheels Give them, the, give
0: them that out. <laughs> okay Just, all right hey, The last question Will be worth like 10,000 points <laughs> <more. laughs> This
1: one is not, This one is not worth points This quiz show Is worth grades okay. Because it's school So right now Brian has an A plus Kevin has a big fat F All right. Number two. One of that school's famous alumni is A, Benjamin Franklin, B, Alexander Hamilton, C, James Madison, or D, Betsy Ross. Brian, you go first.
0: Mm, I'm going to go with C, James Madison.
1: Okay. Kevin?
0: B,
3: Alexander Hamilton.
1: Oh, you both are incorrect. It is a Benjamin Franklin oh, and I thought he was some, from Philadelphia. Some other notorious alumni are John Hancock and Sam Adams. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Notorious, okay.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess "notorious" might be the wrong word. Historical, <laughs> okay. Number three, we're we're moving into the future now. Okay, number three, Crayola produces how many crayons a year? Oh, gosh. Is it a twelve million? Is it B, 3 billion? Is it C, 1 billion? Is it D, 90 million? Kevin?
3: Ooh, 1 billion uh, C, I believe.
1: Okay, Brian?
0: I'm gonna go with 90 million D.
1: Okay, you are both incorrect. <laughs> it is B, 3 billion crayons Why? a year. And listen to this they make 12 million a day.
0: Wow. My, my yep. that is learning things of, today. A
1: lot of crayons. Okay, are you ready? Who's winning? Uh, right now Brian is winning with one, one to zero, or A <laughs> to F. Brian has an A plus. Nice,
3: nice work, Brian. Really has a big fat hey, up. Really dominating here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four. Before the invention of erasers, this was used to erase A, a dust cloth, B, a piece of leather hide. C, a rolled-up piece of white bread, or D, a potato peel? Brian, you go first.
0: C, white bread.
1: Kevin?
3: Uh, The correct answer is D, potato peel.
1: It is actually C, a rolled-up piece of white bread. Believe it or not.
3: I would use white bread for that. I don't know. I think we should try
1: it as an experiment and see if it works. Yes. But a rolled-up piece of white bread was used to erase graphite markings. All right. Brian, you're still solid with now. two very points for an A+. Kevin, you're, you're, this is embarrassing. you got to, like, get no, a little Brian stronger is, here. Okay. Brian
3: is so good. He is so good at this.
1: Don't make, me look bad. don't make me look bad in front of Brian. Okay. Number five. The average number of school teachers in the U.S. is A, 20 million, D, 8 million, C, 6 million, or D, 10 million. Kevin, what say you?
0: B, 8 million.
1: Okay, Brian?
0: I was going to say uh, D, 10 million.
1: Kevin, you're correct. Oh, it is no. It's 8 million. <laughs> yes. Well done. Now you, have the board. B, now you have a B. It's
3: a nail biter, one to one. <laughs> No, I have two. No, it's two, to one. two. It's two to, to one. It's two to
1: one. try. Nice try, Kevin. Okay, I, I,
3: everyone can't count either on the air. This, <laughs> this one, <laughs> yeah. I feel
1: like, is a little unfairly in Brian's direction, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. Number six. The most popular song from the high school musical movies was mm-hmm. A, Bop to the Top with Sharpay and Ryan, B, Get Your Head in the Game with Troy and Chad, C, start of something new with Gabriella and Troy, or D, we're all in this together with the whole HSM gang. Brian, you go first.
0: I think it's D. It's got to be D when they're all together.
1: Okay, Kevin. Do you know yes, any
0: totally D. It's totally
3: D. Normally, I'd want to go opposed to Brian, but it's D. It's we're all in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm doing Kevin the dance.
1: In. I am so impressed. You guys, it's actually C, start of something new uh, with Gabrielle Choi. Troy. Oh, yep. Oh, it mm. topped top the charts over we're all in this together. I would have thought it was D also, but it wasn't. Yes. Okay. All right. We got two more, guys. You're, do, you're going oh, strong. Let's see how both. you do. Okay. The tradition of giving teachers an apple mm. comes from... A, Wales in 1866, where the popular phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, was originated. It actually used to say, an apple a day helps the student earn an A. Okay, that's A. B, from Sweden in the 17th century, falling on hard times, student families would share their food with teachers and other schoolmates. C, from America, on the frontier at the turn of the century, families were responsible for housing and feeding their local teachers. Or D, from the 16th century in Denmark, where parents paid educators with food instead of money. Mm. Kevin, what's your guess?
3: Man, there was just a lot to each those one a, of those. There was a lot. a lot. I know. There. Those were
1: very detailed.
3: I'm going to go with D the, in Denmark, where they paid
0: teachers with, uh, was, with food. Okay. Brian? So I could just play out the clock here and just guess whatever he guesses. I, <laughs> that. I actually thought it was B, Sweden.
1: You guys are both correct. I will accept both answers. In Sweden and Denmark in the 16th and 17th centuries, student families would pay their teachers with food, and that's how the tradition came. Very nice. Yep. Okay. Well done, guys. Well done. Well done. So right now it's three to two or A plus to B plus. Okay. Last question. I mean, it's not really tied, but I think let's do it anyway.
0: Brian, for it all.
1: This is this is double or nothing, double or or nothing.
0: (laughs) We just wasted the last eight minutes for the last question.
1: (laughs) All right. Double or nothing. Here we go. Final question. The mascot for Elmer's glue is named after a Elmer, the bull husband of Borden's advertising mascot, Elsie, the cow B Elmer Fudd, fictional Looney Tunes character and longtime hunter of Bugs Bunny. C, Elmer Bernstein, composer of film scores for movies such as The Ten Commandments and To Kill a Mockingbird. Or D, Elmer Gray, the architect who designed the Beverly Hills Hotel. Kevin, what is your guess?
0: A, Elmer the Bull. Brian, what is your guess? See Now I have, now I have an issue because I was going to guess A, but I won't do that because we are uh, a competition here. So I'm going to go C.
1: Oh, Brian! You should have gone with your first instinct. No. It was Elmer the Bull. You both have tied the game. Tied.
0: Oh, better and, that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's better that way. You can remain this friends. Feels
0: really good. Well, I don't it have
1: a, I don't have a tiebreaker, but I'm glad you guys can love each other. A pluses to all of you. Welcome oh. back,
0: Kevin yeah, I'm picturing oh. us. I'm picturing us holding that trophy together, like one of those <laughs> awkward pictures where someone dies. We're just holding it together. And I'm, hug- I'm hugging you, Brian. Arms around oh, each other. This oh, is well cute, now, you guys. Now I'm excited. No, I now I like that. You can like bring that. me
1: an apple next time you're on the show. Well, thanks, everybody, for sticking around for our back-to-school quiz show. Kevin and Brian still love each other after this, so all is well in the world. Be sure to stick around. Coming back, we're going to give you some words of encouragement from author and pastor Ashley Island. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Common Good. I'm Aubrey Sampson, joined by my co-host Brian Fromm, and we're so grateful that you've been with us today. We love on Friday evenings to send you out with something encouraging to hopefully get you through the weekend. And um, I found this tweet and uh, Instagram post from my friend Ashley Island. She's a pastor. She's an author. She's an amazing woman. It's uh, if you want to look her up, it's A S H L E E Island E I L A N D. And here's what she says. right. I want to I'll just read it to you, Brian. You can respond. In this season, we'll need to get good at recognizing life. If you're straining, look not in the news stories, but in neighbors, not in self-interest, but in service, not in social media, but in silence. Life is on its tippy toes just waiting to be noticed. Mm so beautiful
0: it is and it sounds very much uh, a lot of it like the words of jesus right like mm. not in self-interest but in service in silence in your neighbors uh that i agree with everything she says there and i go that's hard
1: <laughs> that's really oh, hard that, it's really hard i mean how often yep.
0: do we run towards silence and away from social media say for what she said there or how often do we just Immerse ourselves in these news stories that we've talked about all week mm. are so hard. There's so many hard news stories in the world, There's in so the church, right now. Yep. that it can feel really overwhelming. And 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 so I think she points us in some good directions here, uh, as we look for life and life to the full that Jesus talks about. That. Uh, Look to, uh, you know, find know where you can find those things. And ultimately, obviously, we say you find that in Jesus Christ. But how what points us to Jesus? What helps us connect with Mm. Him? It's things like silence. It's things like service. It's things like surrounding ourselves with people who will point us in the direction. Uh, And I know for for. I would, I would guess for very few of us do social media push it in that direction, does self-interest right, and those right. types of things. So I think it's really helpful. Now, why did you choose this one? You said you wanted you got to choose how we end the show today uh, and you want to be an encouragement. What is encouraging or challenging for you uh, that you want to make sure people get in this?
1: Yeah, I, I think I almost want to break it down bit by bit. The first line she says, in this season, we'll need to get good at recognizing life. And that stuck out to me because I do feel like you like you just said, Brian, this, is a, this has been a hard season. And I, I, I also think, I mean, globally, there's a lot going on that's really, really difficult. In the church, there's a lot going on that's really, really difficult. I also think there's an added layer, even as you mentioned our kids going back to school, mm-hmm. that some of us may have thought our kids were going back to school in a different way mm-hmm. than they are right now. A lot of the pandemic numbers are on the rise again. And I I talked with a friend who's a teacher and he I hope he's wrong. I almost don't even want to say it out loud. But he said it will not surprise me if November to January we're doing remote school. No, please
0: don't say that. Yes.
1: And I'm praying against that. But I I think the reality is we're in a season coming out of a pandemic, going into what feels like a lot of hard stuff again, still like it's like, okay, we thought we were through this, but now we have to keep enduring. And so an important discipline for us, for all human beings, especially for human beings who follow Jesus, is that we have to get good at recognizing life Mm. when it feels like there's so much like. Tearing life down. There's so much threatening life. There's so much death, really. Mm. And I I think that just stuck out to me. Like, how do we recognize life? And what does that mean? I, you know, I think like we can talk about some things like you said, life to the fullest in Christ, but how do we actually get good at recognizing life? Part of it, I think, is uh, like you mentioned, like Ashley mentioned. Put the phone down, put Mm -hmm. the social media down and look around, right? Like take a walk in nature, see God's beauty, see God's creation, uh, connect with actual neighbors, not just people online. Um, and then find the, I mean, this sounds a little cliche, but I think it's so important. Like what are the things that are life giving to you? What are the things that help you connect with God? What are the things where you find beauty in this really difficult season? And like go after them. Look for them because they are there. Um, So it just felt like a reminder to me. I think part of it is coming off of vacation last week. You know, we're at the ocean and Mm -hmm. it's so gorgeous and the water's crystal clear and you see beautiful fish and it's like, okay, coming back to the Midwest, I'm reminded like, how do I find, I can't find that here, but how do I find other like, um, life, beautiful things that, uh, remind me of how good God is. I don't know. It was just like, it's just a challenging,
0: it also, challenging word. Yeah. It also reminds me something that comes to mind is, um, we spend so much time, um, wrestling with and wringing our hands over the things we can't control
3: Mm. and
0: uh, to me when I read something like that there there is something to be said about uh thinking through in life what are the things that I can control and what are the things that I can't control and what what um What kind of uh, the things I can't control, do they have their claws in me? Like, is that what I'm spending Mm. all my time? So, for instance, and gosh, I pray that we never go back to remote learning again. But last year when we did something, I told my kids was, hey, listen. Remote learning, wearing masks, things being canceled. None of this is what any of us want in our family. We don't want this. But here's what we're going to do. We are going to focus on the things we can control. Like we we can we can we can. Choose our attitude about this. We could choose how we treat. We, we could figure out what are the benefits and fun things that we can now do. We're going yeah. to do what we can control. And I just think uh, social media and other things, how much time and hand wringing we do about things that really uh, aren't within our control to change and mm-hmm. don't really affect our life on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a simplicity. To even some of the things she's talking about here, when I think of silence, when I think of neighbors and other things, it's going look around about the people who are in your direct proximity and those situations that you can control and have some influence over and allow that to be the bigger kind of press in your life, as opposed to Mm -hmm. just I got to comment on everything and I've got to get worked up about everything. And then you realize you're miserable.
1: Right, that's so, that's so good. Can I um can I ask you a follow up question about silence? because yeah. I have some thoughts on this. Do you practice silence as a spiritual discipline? I do not, or like I should. Yeah, so, I do not. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know even just reading that and then hearing you talk about that, like I I I used to yeah. really intentionally practice silence in the mornings, and I have not done it in so long. And so even just reading this, I'm convicted. Like. Ooh, maybe I need to take some time again to be silent so that I'm listening for God, not yeah. just silence for silence sake, but like to hear the voice of God instead of my fears, my worries, instead of the nonsense that's on social media. Like, anyway, a yeah, this good. is a good. It's good. It's good for all of us. And I think let's, you know, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, let's not make ourselves feel guilty for the things that we aren't doing, but let's use this as an invitation Mm -hmm. to recognize where God is at work, be with the people that we love, invest in our neighbors, spend time with the Lord, put the phones out, like the things we know to do, maybe take a little bit of time for yourself this weekend Mm -hmm. and invest in your soul, recognize life by doing that. Um, I think that would be a good word for all of Mm -hmm. us. Well, we hope you have an amazing weekend. We're so thankful that you've been with us again today. Be sure to come back on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on The Common Good. We'll have another great show for you. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.